and welcome to another edition of the Coco and Dolls Podcast. We're real people, and we do real reviews. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dolls. And Coco, what fine piece of cinema are we reviewing today in our ongoing mission to watch everything that is on Netflix? Daltz is being sarcastic about the fine piece of cinema. Do you think? In case you couldn't tell. Today we're reviewing The Woman in the Window, a brand new release starring Amy Adams, Anthony Mackie, Wyatt Russell, Gary Oldman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Julianne Moore, and Brian Tyree Henry. It's based on the 2018 novel of the same name by A.J. Finn. It's about a woman played by Amy Adams who uh, doesn't want to go outside. She's suffered some trauma in her past. She's pretty much housebound. She claims to be a child psychologist. I don't know how accurate (laughs) that may be. She gets involved with the family who moves in across the street. The son comes over uh, with a gift for her. Uh, when they move in the next day, a Julianne Moore comes by. Uh, there's some, she says she's the boy's mother. She and Amy Adams spend an evening together drinking wine. Then a few days later, through the windows, Julianne Moore is seen being stabbed. Mm-hmm. But the next day, Jennifer Jason Lee shows up and says, No, actually, I'm the boy's mother. We don't know who the heck you're talking about because you and I have never met before and the cops get involved and it's just a whole disaster. So, Man, you ain't kidding. <laughs> so do you have anything to add to the summary adults or do you just want to go straight into how you feel? Well, there's, there's a lot of uh, psychotic episodes and right. drug and alcohol fueled uh, shenanigans and hallucinations. Uh, Amy Adams is afraid to go out. Like Coco said, she's an agoraphobic. She goes out of the house a couple of times and ends up uh, flat on her back. And essentially, it's just a story that is like a modern retelling of Rear Window. See, that's what... I haven't seen Rear Window probably since I was in high school. That's what the trailers made it look like. Mm -hmm. But for me, it seemed like it was a little bit more head trippy. It was more head trippy, yeah, but it was definitely the voyeuristic, you know, stuck in your apartment because in the rear window... uh, He's in a wheelchair, My man, Jimmy Stewart, isn't it? Yeah. Jimmy. Um, He's he's in the the wheelchair. He's going, Mary, (laughs) Mary, what's happening? Uh, So he's stuck in a wheelchair and he looks through his telephoto lens, I guess, and sees shenanigans. It's probably binoculars in the 50s. Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's it's like one of those scenes in like modern movies where you see somebody look at something and then they cut. And then the next scene is they've looked closer somehow and they see it closer. I always love that kind of stuff where it's like you see somebody in the distance and then it cuts away and then you see the person's facial expression. It's like, how do they do that? Do they have like bionic eyes? So anyway, uh, I really don't have much to add to the uh, summary. I think I just did, but um, really. There's there's a lot of question about whether because Anna is on quite a cocktail of drugs Mm -hmm. because of the aforementioned trauma, whether she actually saw what she thinks she saw or if it's all hallucinations. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So do you want me to say now how I feel? Yeah, just go ahead. Because you were just kind of teeing me up, right? Uh, Yeah, I I know you've been chomping at the bit since we stopped watching this last night. So listener, terrible. 
This was a terrible, terrible movie. This is one of the worst movies that I think I've seen in a long, long time. Wow. And we've watched a lot of movies. And you know why I think this is terrible? Is that everything in the elevator pitch would have been great about this movie. Like a modern retelling of Rear Window. Uh, we're all stuck indoors for a long period right. of time. So everybody can relate to this movie. You've got a fantastic cast. You've got a lot of things going on. You've got a very cheap set to build and, right. and work around. Like it's just a fake street in Boston kind of thing. New York. No, it's in Boston, actually. No, it's in New York. No, it's in Boston. When they pull when they pull out on the end of the scene, it's Boston. No, he transferred to Manhattan from Boston. The Are Gary you Oldman sure? character. Yes. Okay. See, that's how much I love this movie is I don't even know where it was taking place. <laughs> and um, so the acting was irregular. Um, Gary Oldman was like in-your-face yelly guy, which was fine. But he actually didn't have an American accent for a change, so that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Um because he's a British guy, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Amy Adams was really kind of, I don't know, that's a tough role to play because yeah. she didn't, you know, she, you have to be kind of on the edge and you have to be weepy all the time and you have to be hallucinating. So I think that uh, she was fine, but I don't know. It just, there were some scenes in there, like it was really trying too hard to be artistic in certain places. It was trying too hard to be Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. There was a couple of scenes there where, and that's one of my top five movies of all time. That's a great movie. And I just thought that they were, it it was too influenced by that, too influenced by Rear Window, and it didn't know what it wanted to be. And there's a couple of scenes where people are standing in the oddest positions. Like there's one scene near the end, and maybe this is trying to convey the fact that Amy Adams' reality is sort of fractured. Um, but there's one scene where the people are standing and they're, they're standing like in a, in a V and in no way would any crowd of people who are in your apartment stand in some sort of V so that the camera can see every one of them very clearly. Like nobody is blocking (laughs) anybody else. And it just was weird. I don't know. And some of the dialogue was kind of over the top and I just, uh, it was just, it just did not add up to me at all. And I was at the end of it, I said to Coco, I was like, that was just awful. As soon as the credits rolled, Daltz was just like, oh, that was terrible. And like- so <laughs> what we try to do, listeners, we try not to reveal to each other what we thought of the movie because we want to save it for you on the podcast and we want to reveal it. And we also want to have genuine and sincere reactions to one another's judgments. And I just couldn't hold back. No. I was just like, that was awful. <laughs> but, listener, there might be a chance that you might like this movie because I think Coco doesn't think it was as bad as I thought it was. I I do not. Um, I, I think the plot had a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'll get to the acting in a moment. I kind of enjoyed the, is she hallucinating? Is this really, like, how are they going to prove that... She actually met Julianne Moore, and Julianne Moore was a real person who got stabbed. So I enjoyed the plot twistiness mm-hmm. of it and the sort of like head, the head games that it played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ending was awful. <laughs> and I have not read the book. From what I understand, the movie stayed fairly faithful-ish to the book. Mm-hmm. But the people I know who have read the book said that the movie just wasn't executed well. Mm. And I thought the ending just came out of left field. Mm -hmm. I didn't, there was no setup for it Mm -hmm. at all. There were no, that I could see clues along the way that pointed to 
the person being the person who did the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it just, I just felt like a real Hollywood ending to me. It, it was just like, oh, that's what happened. It was all a dream or whatever. Right. You, you, know, just you like, totally get the person giving you the 10-minute monologue about how they set everything into motion. And it turned into like a freaking horror movie. Like Julianne Moore takes a rake to the face. She's got like <laughs> holes that are gushing blood. Amy and, Adams. What did I say? Julianne Moore. Oh, I thought I said Amy Adams. Okay. Yeah, Ju- uh, Amy Adams takes like a rake to the face. Like it's, it just turns into a horror movie with yeah, just like gratuitous yeah. violence and stabbing at the yeah. end. And-, and some of the sweeping camera angles were like really weird. I mean, maybe they were trying to convey a little bit of Hitchcock or something like that, but it just was weird. Yeah. So the ending, even though apparently it was close to the book ending, mm-hmm. I didn't get it. No, and I didn't buy it either. I... This movie was supposed to be released theatrically in late 2019, but apparently test audiences hated the ending so much that they came back in for reshoots, and then the pandemic happened, and it got shelved, and then Disney was like, we don't want any part of this, so then Disney sold it to Netflix, and that's how it ends up on your streaming service of choice today. But I'm like, how bad was the original ending? If this is what we got, because test audiences hated the original oh. ending so bad. So I would be very interested in finding out what that ending was. Yeah, um, I, now my mind boggles at the thought of what <laughs> the other possible endings were. Like they all chick, you know, turn into chickens and right. run across the street. or they all, It's like a St. Elsewhere thing. And like <laughs> beamed into outer space because <laughs> yeah. it was all like an alien's dream or something like that. Yeah, totally. So I the, the plot just completely falling apart at the end mm-hmm. really, really lost me. Mm-hmm. The acting... I thought Amy Adams was fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's good in everything she does. So worst case scenario, she's just going to be average. Mm-hmm. Um, her character to me was completely unsympathetic. Right. Like, yes. I understand she went through a horrible trauma several months prior, and that what that's what precipitated her being housebound. But mind your own business, lady. <laughs> okay? Like, don't freaking spy on your neighbors. Like, I know her shrink gave her some line about, oh, curiosity of the outside world is a good sign. It means you're coming out of your shell. But mm-hmm. I'm like, mind your own business. Right. Like, I don't want my neighbors looking in my windows at me. Like, I'm sorry that, you know, Julianne Moore got stabbed and stuff, and that's obviously an <laughs> issue that... You know, the, it's obviously bad. Yeah, that's obviously a bad, a bad thing. Like the police should be involved, but I mean, like so much of the, like so much of what happened to her, if she would just watch movies and pet her cat, right? None Netflix of, and chill. Yeah, none of this would have happened to her. So I found it real. And poor Wyatt Russell is her tenant. He lives in her basement, and she's constantly going down there and bothering him, and like snooping through his mail right. and stuff. Right. And she was like, she was like the eighty-four-year-old landlord who kept creeping into somebody's house. Is like, ah, what, what you got for mail there? <laughs> right, Are you bringing in visitors? You know, you're not supposed to. And then poor Wyatt Russell, because he's trying to help her in the end, because she doesn't deserve it at all. She threw him under the bus. Yeah. It turns out he has a record in Massachusetts for getting in a bar fight. And then when she's trying to prove like, no, really, Julianne Moore got stabbed. She's like, this guy, he has a record. He assaulted somebody. And I'm like, all this guy has done is pay his rent on time. Right. And this is how you repay him. Yeah. By and snooping help you through his mail. You yeah. Right. Like and he, he says, you need any light bulbs changed or anything right, like that? Right, totally. So even though the first scene with Wyatt Russell, I was like, ooh, that's maybe not strong acting. By the end, I like he was like the most sympathetic of all. Like everybody else, I just didn't care about. Like him and the cat, you know? I'm like, him and the cat, that's all I care about. And how could you not like somebody who is the offspring of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell? Right, totally. So I thought 
lot. Yeah, I'm with you on all that stuff. Jennifer Jason Lee was completely wasted. You don't uh, need to cast a name like that in a role like that. I, I it, never really liked her. So like you could have put me in that role because there was so little <laughs> for that Vader role to do. Role. Yeah, you could have put our dog in that role. Same with Anthony Mackie. You didn't really need no. a name for that role. He was in maybe two scenes mm-hmm. and had a couple voiceovers and that was kind of it. Yep. So there was a lot of potentially good acting that was wasted mm-hmm. by yep. I guess I don't know if it was just a crummy script or what but well um, and that's the same vein when I was talking about with Gary Oldman like one yeah. of the powerhouse actors of our generation and he just kind of breezes in and yells at people for a couple minutes smacks a kid around and right. then leaves and then is acting across the street and we don't hear what he's saying mm-hmm. which that's actually not that yeah. easy to do but at the same time we didn't need Gary Oldman in that role and surprisingly this was directed by Joe Wright who directed Gary Oldman in uh the Darkest Hour, mm. for which he won an Oscar. Which and, is a great movie. And also directed movies such as Atonement. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a step down. This is a, for, this is a way step down. For Joe Wright. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those are those are some of my big issues. With I, I completely movie. agree. And, and the Amy Adams character was just not, I didn't believe her whatsoever in terms of uh, what all the things you mentioned, but also the fact that she was self-medicating and she was taking this medication and it says clearly on the bottle, don't take with alcohol. And she was tipping back the wine all the time and <laughs> right. everything like that. Like, and she's like, I'm a shrink. They all say that. I'm just going to go ahead and drink. But you know? yeah. <laughs> sh- shouldn't you know that even more so if you right. have some totally. sort of medical degree or whatever it happens to be that she has, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're going to maybe take that advice. And, and then you start doing these and seeing these crazy things. Wouldn't it dawn on you that maybe it's the booze right. and the drugs <laughs> right. interacting the way it says on the label of the drugs that that might happen? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just... This is another one of those movies where the characters are like, what are you doing? Like, And, and I could tell from the get-go, and maybe it's because I'm suspicious and maybe because you know, they wouldn't make a movie otherwise, but um, I was thinking that as soon as the kid comes across the street, it's like, it's a trap. It's a <laughs> Admiral trap. Akbar is. <laughs> yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> Run, it's a trap. So I just, I, I couldn't believe any of that from the get-go. And then, of course, that's where the movie starts. You know, the whole story of the movie is on from there. So... Yeah, I just just not buying it. So sh- should we go into the grades or uh, do you have more to offer on this fine, fine piece of cinema? There was probably other stuff I was going to say, but now I can't think of any of it. So. Always leave them wanting more, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so out of 26 letters <laughs> and shades thereof, so actually it could be 52 um, choices. Yeah, that's true. Or actually plus minuses. Plus mi- or, a, or a minus as well. So yeah. you could be looking at uh, 78 choices here. Although F doesn't really have a plus or a minus. It's just a straight F. So. <laughs> right. Well, actually, probably below F is not yeah. really a factor. <laughs> right. I'm just being choosy. You're here. like the ninth level of the alphabet at that point. Like you're in the ninth level of hell. And <laughs> it's we, just... <laughs> is it possible to go into a different alp- alphabet for this? <laughs> right. Can we go into the Greek alphabet? Right. For- We're going into the Cyrillic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give this? I would give this alpha. <laughs> No. No. So, uh, Z. Thank you. We're into the Canadian alphabet now. The end of the Canadian alphabet. Okay, Coco. So, uh, any alphabet, doesn't matter. Just give us a grade. I I would probably give this like a C minus to D plus. You're an easy marker. I, it, it had promise. Like, it, it until... Like, I mean, there was like a lot of absurd stuff about it, but the plot was still intriguing. Like I was trying to figure out, like, how are they going to be able to figure out that Julianne Moore really exists? And then like the the whole, they figured out how to prove that she exists, but then everything just completely, like the whole house of cards just fell apart. But I still didn't believe that they actually 
authentically and without holes found out that Julianne Moore was a lot, was a real person. Like just I, the holes in Amy Adams' face. I, right. I, I just don't... <laughs> the way they came together with that is, oh, by the way, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And we were all wrong. All 17 of us on the stage here and <laughs> all those detectives and all these characters were all wrong. But you, the lady who has taken the hallucinogens, you were right. And that was another thing. Like, So Brian Tyree Henry is a detective mm-hmm. who's been assigned to this case because she keeps calling 911. And at the end, she's in the hospital bed and he's sitting there in the room with her and he's like, yeah, I messed up this case pretty bad. And I'm like... <laughs> But nobody actually would have thought that, though. Like, if all the information you have is a crazy lady who's on many, many drugs is calling 911 to report somebody stabbed, but the person she thinks was stabbed is alive and well standing right in front of me. I mean, is this like a Jeffrey Dahmer situation where, like, the kids are running out of the apartment and he's like, no, no, I'm their uncle. And then the cops are like, okay. And then, you know, like... (laughs) I mean, you know, I shouldn't be laughing at cannibalism. No, but, cannibalism know. is not funny. No. Army but, hammer. But your, but, <laughs> but your characterization of it is funny, of the cops' reaction to it. Yeah, so I was like, I mean, how are the cops really going to get chewed out over this? Because everything on the surface appears to be that there was no case at all. Just a crazy lady uh, with too much time on her hands. So. I, yeah. I so don't, I don't know how you would like do a postmortem on this as you're the cops. It's like, okay, how do we do how do we avoid this mistake right, going totally. forward? <laughs> Maybe don't pay attention to the fact that the lady's on eighteen different varieties of psychotropic drugs. Oh man. And hasn't seen anybody of any sort of note for six months or something like that. Right. And is probably not engaged socially with anybody over that time. And when her tenant is saying, No, the person she thinks she saw is actually a lady I spent the night with or something, like every Everything is lining up that to say she's crazy. She's crazy, yeah. and so that that was what kept me on the hook. I'm like, I can overlook everything else. How are we going to figure this plot out? And well, then and, it just fell apart. Well, and that's what I, that's sort of what I'm saying about this movie is that there were all these things that were like, how are they going to figure that out? How are they going to explain that? And at the end of the movie, I don't think they really explained any of it. No, it's just like, oh yeah, you're right. She was alive, <laughs> <laughs> and now she's dead, and we feel bad. And, oh, yeah, we found her body in Fort Lee. You know? like, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, of course you go across the river for that. Right, I don't know. exactly. Yeah. So uh, you asked me off the air what I thought was worse, worse, either Hard Kill or this movie. And listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about with Hard Kill, please go back and listen to our Best and Worst of 2020 episode in which we discuss Hard Kill at length. Uh, yes, and not in the <laughs> former category, but more of the <laughs> latter category. And so Definitely that one, in the latter category. That one was just ridiculous on, on all sorts of levels, but uh, it I knew what I was getting into in that right. movie. Whereas uh-huh. this one actually had some promise. And right. I was thinking, they could, this could be a nice psychological thriller. This yeah, could be totally. something that would... You know, Amy Adams and everybody. Like, I wasn't expecting a Bruce Willis movie from this year to be any good. Right. You know, I wasn't thinking he was going to be, like, winning uh, Oscars for his portrayal as the guy who hides in the closet or whatever it was he was doing for most of that movie. Whereas this one, I was like, this could be good. Amy Adams is still in the zone. She's still good. Yeah. And we still got Gary Oldman, who's great. Yeah, you've got Gary Oldman Oscar winner, Amy Adams Oscar nominee, 
Jennifer Jason Lee, I believe she's been nominated for an Oscar. Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore has won an Oscar. Yeah, so you've got a good cast there, yeah, right? And we like the guy he was Anthony in, Mackie, and uh, also uh, Tyree. Who yeah, was, Brian Tyree Henry, who, who is was, the best part of Godzilla versus Kong, who is not named Godzilla or Kong. Exactly. So uh, all the parts there were were good. Like you think it would be a good, and the the director had some uh, some props to his name, some acclaim. So I thought it would have been fine. But man, I'm giving this like a four. Like this is just. This is just this is not worth your, worth your time at all. That's better than what I thought you were going to give it, considering you, you've actually been fairly mild, considering how like your I can initial... give it a worse mark if you want me to. <laughs> I'm happy to. Well, no, I'm just saying I thought you were going to give it like a two, like the way you were going. You last night you were like, oh, that's <laughs> two hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. Well, like, here's the thing: it's only an hour forty one, so yeah, that's that true. was a positive. Yeah, um, it didn't drag. It didn't drag, but it was just it was just kind of stupid, and some of the fight scenes I didn't believe. And anyway. I, I could go on and on and how bad. You know, I'm, I'm actually talking myself into more like a three now. Wow. But I think the, the point of, of this listener is you don't want to watch this. So Daltz gives it a three. Coco gives it a D plus. That's not good. So <laughs> so if you add them together, that's D3, which is D. Mighty Ducks uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sequel, which is even worse. So Once again, we come back to the Canadian alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> All hockey movies are in the Canadian alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, enough of this. Yeah, let's get this crap show over with. (laughs) So don't watch it. That's the bottom line. And the music is playing us out. So for another edition of the podcast, Coco, I'm not Coco. (laughs) Can you tell we didn't rehearse? And I'm not Dalt. (laughs) Bye.